podcast. This is James Kern. I'm here with my wife and business partner, Alma. Hello, everyone. Hello, Facebook. Hello, everyone watching. This is our episode four. I think four, yeah. Four. Yes, yes. Uh, so what, the, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about entrepreneurship, talk about the, the journey um, for, for people who are, I'd say, in the sort of beginning phases of it, um, and especially as it is uh, related to those who have a family, if you are in a, a long-term partnership, or maybe you have kids, but you're, you're not just a, the kind of like single person who can kind of just crank and go and not really look in, in your left or right, you can kind of be heads down and make things happen. It's a little bit more complex if you start this a little bit later in life. And that's what our story was. So we want to share that with everyone. So on the podcast today, we've got Michelle and Chris from Glass Academy in Dearborn, Michigan. They are badass artists who not only create art and um, are, are prosperous with it, um, doing what they love, but they're doing it in unique and interesting ways and have found ways to stay relevant and stay on top of things as the entire industry has changed uh, beneath their feet. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with Michelle for a couple of years now um, on different projects and they're wonderful people. So we want to bring them in, say hello and uh, get started. So welcome. Hello, good morning. Thank you very much. Awesome. Cool. So let's start at the beginning with um, the, the sort of typical question that I ask anyone. It's like, uh, who do you serve and, and what problem do you solve? Basically, what's your business? These are those uh, tech questions and those coaching questions. <laughs> you know, uh, I wish we would have asked those questions to us when we were starting in our 20s. You know, because it would have really, we we kind of came to this different because we're artists and we had a skill, a craft skill that we really wanted to explore and blow up. So who our audience was, was kind of ourselves. We were just like young kids and like glass balloons so cool. We're going to do this. It was only years later that we discovered who we serve and how we serve them. And now we're rocking that out. But it was like a stumble and fall because we were just so into the craft of glass blowing and forging a path ahead and trying to figure that out. Yeah, one of the, one of the things we do, uh, we, we tell a lot of people is just keep doing what you're doing because time is such a big element in entrepreneurialism and the longer you're around, the more people recognize you, the more words to spread, the more comfortable you get with your uncomfortable situation. And like Michelle said, when we started, we just wanted to make art and we made it and we kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And then we but. started once we did it and we did it for probably 10 years, if not longer, we were like, what are we doing this for? You know what I mean? Are we just making tons of glass to fill you know, the world with or are we somehow going to become a service to our community, which I think is a big, big part of having a business and being a service and having an interaction with your clients and the public that makes you, you know, needed in a truly honest way. If you love what yeah. you do and your client needs you, you can't not be successful. But yeah. here's the thing. You go to art school <clears throat> and they're like, art school is very different than business and teaching how to make a living. Like how do you make a living off your art? You walk out of there with starving artists uh -huh. And your instructors aren't telling you how to make a living because they're not sure how to do it because they're teaching. Right, right, exactly. So your whole family, my family anyways, has this thing like starving artists, like, oh my God, we're going to have to support you, like all of these things. And when you walk out of college, 
you're told don't make the item in blue because the customer asked for blue. Like stay true to your soul, you know, but that doesn't serve anyone, right? So at some point we recognize like we would do things we would have. I mean, we were young. We would throw a party and make drinking glasses. This is ceramic, but we'd make a drinking glass that we'd sell and our friends would buy them because they needed something to drink the beer out of because we didn't have plastic cups and the keg was there. If you want to drink it, you have to buy a glass. So it was only like after doing things like this that we stopped selling to the glass community that was doing the same thing we were, like just trying to sell to all our friends. They're trying to make a living too. And when we switched and looked at how can we serve the customer, maybe we do need to make that glass blue so it'll match their couch. Then we started getting it, right? So okay. then we're like serving. That's who our audience was. So then the trick for us was how do we combine our goals and visions and the, the skill and technique we have into something that the public wants? Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful because that's as I'm listening to you, Michelle, one question keeps coming up, which I have heard so many times is how do you as an artist, whether you're blowing glass or, or making music or I, I don't know, do furniture, whatever you're doing, right? Whatever your passion is in, how do you as an artist in anything, how do you stay true to yourself while meeting your customers needs yeah so for us i think because we both did it um that was a really important question for us we have friends who like the husband is a doctor or the wife is a doctor or you know there's some stability there which allows you some time to develop a style for us and all our peers we were hot and heavy like glass blowing is so exciting we were with like the top people in the industry learning the craft and we watched everyone around us struggle. Yes. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I think also that the journey that you're going through while you're creating uh, your product, whether it's a product, which is a piece of art or a piece of software or whatever, you get taken advantage of by your customer and you sometimes make things that aren't what you want to make and you get steered in the wrong direction by your customer because you're thinking about money and you're thinking about keeping the wolf away from the door and every time that happens it's like you know i mean it's like some type of entrepreneurial spanking you know what i mean you're like uh -huh. you look at it and you're like oh my god I, i'm never gonna make another one of those again i didn't have any fun making it i didn't really like it but i made four thousand dollars and that's amazing but i'm gonna stay true to my path and i think that's really important that that kind of ties back into what i was saying about the, the the journey you know the journey is when you learn to be true to yourself and true to your business it's really important. And, and I really think with all like the funnel hacking and, and all of those <clears throat> things, the coaching that I did during the pandemic really put a different spin on it. Because now when we started, we'd make $100, 50 went back into the business, 50 went to us. There was no sugar daddy. There were no parents helping us. So, like we got creative in everything we did, land contract for the business. Like we scraped and saved. It was like Looking back at pictures now, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I remember that. Like I remember being so upset. Like, how are we going to buy groceries that week? The kids don't know it. You know, yeah. you have to stay in a peace of mind. Not easy to do, 
especially when your friends are not entrepreneurs and they're starting businesses and they're getting a solid paycheck and they're like, come on, let's go out. And you're just like, okay, like, no, I can't do that. But like for us, there's always, for me, like the drinking glass, the patterns of color, there's always exploration. If you keep a pinch of what you're doing, what feeds your soul, you can continue to grow it. I think what at one stage, Chris like looked at me and he's like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to leave? Like, what are you going to do? Like, what skills and assets do you have? Like, we built this. And I was just completely freaking out. And it, he's he was right. Like, what am I going to do? I left a full-time job with benefits and pay to do this. And we need to make it work. I mean, even when the pandemic hit, it was like, are you kidding me? Like again, because we're in Metro Detroit, the economy in 2007, that hit Detroit really hard. People don't need glass, you know, mm -hmm. they don't need handmade glass at all. They need groceries. They need tires on their car. We're a luxury item, right? Yeah. But if I aim my business at the 1%, my jobs are coming through far and in between. Yes. So we decided to kind of pivot our brand and sell to a local consumer that's mom and pop that has a house that they want to furnish, right? Mm -hmm. And so now our clientele is 45 to 60, but our son just came into the business and his clientele is different. They're going to the resale shop. They don't care about decorating their house like yes. our client in the same way. So now our pivot is how we grab them. Yeah. So that that's where you are right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we yeah. made a change. We made a pretty major change, probably about 15 years through the process of the business. And Michelle just said, you know, everybody didn't need a luxury item of glass, you know. And when you're talking about servicing your community and servicing society, society doesn't necessarily need a vase, but society mm -hmm. needs the educational experience of how a vase is made. You know, they need to know, they need the experience, you know, and for us to change, which for 15 years, we were a production glass duty that just made product and sold to like 400 galleries wholesale all over the U.S. And we just shipped it out and never went there, never saw them. They just yeah. sold their glass and the society consumed our glass too. Starting the Glass Academy, starting experience-based business that people came and learned and we educated them about the glass and gave them a glass-blowing experience. People do need that. People, I mean, at one point in time, I tried to literally get a doctor to be able to certify through the state of Michigan that you could get a prescription to blow glass for therapy. Oh. And, it's, and I was real close to it. I mean, I was really close to it. And then finally, you know, that was right before 2008. And, but it's true because it's like, it's very therapeutic. It's no different than any activity we all do, riding our bikes, beer league, hockey, uh, anything like that, that is a physical activity that gives us personal enhancement in our lives is something that's a necessity. Mm -hmm. And we made that physical change and it really worked out. You know, now people come, they're like, they're addicted to it. They're just like, I got to take another class. You know, it's just, it feeds my soul. And it's like, that's what we want to do. We want to feed people's soul. And if they decide to buy, you know, a snail, then buy a snail. That's cool, too. But, sure, sure. you know. So is that clear? We we made a pivot in our business to educate people and entertain yeah. rather than just making widgets to sell. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's uh, as I'm listening to Chris specifically talking about that, that journey for that person. I think of myself, someone who's never done anything like it right you give me i guess 
piece of glass or something. <laughs> you give me something and, and then you teach me how to create and transform that into something tangible that regardless of how I'm feeling, I, I can I can be proud of myself, right? I can feel like, oh, I did something. I created something. There, there's something that came through me that I can see and feel and continue to touch, right? It's not, I mean, I've, I, I love exercising and I am very active, so I'm not talking poorly of exercise. It is very important, but but it, it is fleeting, right? We, I have to go back to the exercise every single day, but with this, I can actually feel yeah. like an accomplishment. Yeah, I, I love that. So how has that pivot served your business? It's uh, it served it really, really well. You know, it's like we've made a specific point to, uh, we've turned our business almost into a show. We do shows, you know, we don't do a demo. We do shows where we're in character and we're blowing glass. And if we're, whether we're at the Renaissance Festival in, you know, medieval clothing and blowing glass, educating people who are all sitting around in their clothes and that Wait, particular. Pause. There is a Renaissance Festival in Michigan. It's like one of the oldest in the nation. And just to give you some context, it's like an art fair. And people have booths. It's outdoors. There's food. There's entertainment. We're the glass blowers there. It's been 21 years now. So that's what Chris does. Gets dressed up, goes on stage. You can heckle the crowd. You can make We've weird We've got things. a giant glass house. It's called the Glass House. And it's a two-story giant building that's a what? gallery with, yeah. uh, with yeah. a stage with like a hundred person amphitheater that people just get to watch us and, and ask questions and we're all mic'd up and it's like seven weekends. Yeah. Seven weekends. Clients. People are like addicted to this fair. So there's hundreds. We of do vendors. the same thing at the, at the glass Academy in the glass Academy. And we have a mobile glass blowing unit that we drive around and people pay us to do demonstrations to, you know, do a show. It's the glass blowing show. And it's like no different than people seeing a concert. And it's like that particular change in our business plan was specific when we decided to stop doing wholesale production and start servicing the community. And, you know, we did it and it just kind of happened, you know, and that didn't happen overnight. It happened over a long period of time, just like it always does. And I think the, the biggest piece of advice I could give anybody was slow your mind down to the speed of your physical actions because entrepreneurs are always <laughs> thinking about, I mean, I got a lot going on. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about shit that's happening, you know, 10 years from now and I'm on my way there. And it's like, you got to slow it down because that's the only way we can slow our experience on this planet down is to be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and you guys, uh, I mean, Glass Academy, it's like a whole attraction. Just when I go to the show in Metro, it's like, oh, there we go. There's this, this piece that's an attraction. And this just got started by two kids out of college wanting to make art, right? Uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a museum here, the Henry Ford Museum, which Henry Ford built this museum, and it's Innovation of Americana. And it's fascinating, but that's where I had blown glass at the time. And you had to, when people came through, you had to talk on a microphone and say what was going on. Uh -huh. So I could see the correlation of people not understanding what glass blowing was and the key element of explaining it to them, right? So you're, you've got hundreds of kids staring at you. You kind of want to do something that's going to make them go, ooh, ah. 
So we came with this like showmanship. And in our community, there's nonprofits where a bunch of glassblowers come together and they'll throw parties and stuff. But we add this other element to it. There's also museums that do hands-on classes, but you know, you're wearing these big gloves. And so we've been able to blend really nice because we are private way to engage people. When we pull chairs around, you're up front and up close. We pass the glass around a little bit. So it's hot. They feel the heat. You know, we ASMR, like we bring in all the colors. We're on a microphone. We're talking. We've learned to tell a joke before we take a photo of the audience because they're all staring at us like (laughs) blank looks on their face, right? So engaged. So that has become our audience. Um, yeah. But that's the hot minute to find how we do that. Then they want a souvenir. The souvenir, this is where we need to educate them as well. The souvenir is handmade from someone local in your community, right? So if they come see us, that's great. But if they're from out of town, go find the glass floor in your community. Like we want to spread the energy and the vibe, what it means to buy from a small craftsman, how they support themselves doing this type of living. And it's very different maybe than some of the people you might have come to the table with your work. But for us, it, it's a key component to educate them so they know what they're getting. Like the ceramic mugs we're drinking coffee are all locally bought. You know, I don't buy a store-bought ceramic mug. Right. You know, uh, you guys have found a way to combine education and entertainment. What do you call it? Edutainment, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's... I don't know. I, and my question is, do you think that that's kind of, that's been your secret sauce or, or at least some sort of a gift? Yeah, I would say it's definitely a secret sauce. It's like, it's really a cool thing. And I do feel that it's like, honestly, understanding that people need something like that. You know, it's like some people with their product would be like, people need my product. You mm-hmm. know, kind of like a little bit weird, a little egotistical, you know, but it's like when you really can look people in the eye and be like, listen, you got to come to the glass Academy because you're going to be blown away. You're going to have the most amazing experience you've ever had. And I don't even have to say, and you're going to buy a whole bunch of glass because we don't even do that. It's like, that's like, it. it's a reaction to the experience that they have. And it's like when you, when people make their own decision that they want to buy something, it's such a better purchase. It's like they're treating themselves and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, feeling the pressure of, you know, if you do this now, you're going to get this for half price plus this special deal. You know, you want them to figure that shit out on their own, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, You, the whole thing of what you guys do with the show is you're transforming people's state, right? You're giving them an emotional experience. You're, you're demonstrating the result of, a commitment to enhancing your craft that so many people don't do what they intended to do. So many people are not consistent enough to actually practice something on a day to day to day to day basis. And so when you see someone who is literally a master of their craft, like you all are, it, there's just this wonder and amazement and this transformative experience. So you have this, like, you forget about every problem that you had before you walked into the door. Right. So it's, it's kind of like you're watching a movie. You're like, you're, you're, you're staring at that light of the wall. You're staring at this, this demonstration, this production, this, this transformative experience happening in front of you. And then afterwards you want the souvenir. Like you said, you want to, you want to like, remember this thing. You mm-hmm. want to have access to it. 
you know, you want some some token, some some physical object that you can see and be transported back to this experience where it was, you know, a peak experience emotionally for you. And so I love how maybe not intentionally, but you've, you've created this story arc that results in supporting you all to continue to do it. In addition to just the show, you're supporting yourselves by, by um, you know, selling the things that you're, you're making during the process. I think that's a wonderful way of, of doing it. This yeah. is interesting. I mean, Chris is drinking something out of it, so it's not super clean right now. But this cup, I just posted on Facebook and poured uh, kombucha in it. That was the blue-green. So it like pulled these different colors out of the cup and I posted and said, check this out. Look at how cool. So the thing that's interesting and Alma, you, I think you'll appreciate this. There's like color therapy. And yeah. so we sell a rainbow of colors, right? So mm -hmm. green is your heart chakra. If you're drinking from a dream green cup, you're healing your heart. There's these super mm -hmm. subtle nuances to the work that we sell that people don't even know. So pumpkins, glass pumpkins are a huge thing. We sure. can also tell the newbies because they'll come in and buy an orange pumpkin, but then they'll come next year and they'll buy a pink one or a yeah. blue one, right? So there's like these elements of watching our customers develop and, and bring this beauty into their lives that they didn't even know they were ready for or needed. It's super cool. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Chris, I don't know if you were, were you at uh, Funnel Hacking Live this past yeah. time? Yeah, you yeah. were. Okay. But it, I didn't know you guys so as well as I know now, but I do remember Michelle. So if you remember, I don't know if you watched, um, was it, it was this year, Ed Milet, he was talking about how, was it this year? Two years ago. Oh, oh that was two years ago. Oh, Michelle was there. Oh, Michelle was there. No. So if, if you remember Michelle then, that when Ed was talking about, I can't remember last year. They don't have to believe in your product. They have to believe that you believe. If you remember that specific quote, and when I when we ask you questions and as we're talking to you, you do believe in what you do for the community, for your customers specifically. You believe so deeply that I don't have a choice but to check you out, right? It's like I, I need to go. I've never been to Michigan. We kind of talked about it going yeah. to Michigan at some point, but I gotta go, right? Because you believe so deeply in that, right? You're not pushing it on me. You're not giving me the half off this and that, right? You're not selling me anything. You're just speaking with this crazy level of excitement. It's like our community needs to know this. Our community needs to be educated. Our community needs to be entertained, and and it just transforms how people see glass blowing. You don't have to teach them anything else. You just have to see it in you. Right. And that could be why, like during the pandemic, we were able to like with James and you guys doing funnel hacking, like see the pivot. And we're like, okay, the technology is there. Let's do what we do, but we'll do it live. So we got a worldwide audience following us doing these live shows on YouTube. Mm. So we're able to grow that kind of as our brand versus making a ton of product. How can we grow that? And yeah. so now we reach thousands of people in, in our live shows and they know us and they want to be part of a community. And so we've connected people. They all become friends. They live all over the place. But every Tuesday night, they come together to watch the show, comment. They see each other. Hey, how have you been doing? It's real interesting to watch. We don't have to go to Michigan. We can, we can just do it from our living room. Got it. Love it. So I know, Chris, uh, we talked about this. Uh, your daughter now, your daughter Lucy, is going 
on her entrepreneurial journey. So tell us what's, what, what advice does she ask for or what advice do you give her? Well, we see her, Lucy is in upstate New York and she's, uh, she's been in the farming industry for several years and she is getting a couple acres of property where she's going to be starting her own business, her own uh, microgreens and vegetables and, uh, you know, spinning that into agritainment. <clears throat> she's nervous and she's, you know, and I think this is a perfect like synergy to spin into a part of this conversation that I know that you guys are talking about, about, your comfort zone as an entrepreneur and feeling uncomfortable. And that's exactly kind of why I brought up what she was doing is because she's calling us and we're talking to her FaceTime and she's nervous. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. I just started my job at the farm store and you know, how much money am I going to make? You know, and it's like, how much money is she going to make? Is she going to make the same amount of money as she's making when she gets her paycheck and she works nine to five at this store every day, five or six days a week? It's like, who knows? She may make more, she may make less, but you know, <clears throat> it's really important for people who are going to be entrepreneurs to know that part of the package of an entrepreneur is being uncomfortable and you really have to be okay with that. I've talked to people who <clears throat> have, hundreds of millions of dollars in companies. And I say to them, I like, listen, I go, does it ever go away? Do you ever feel like you're not like uptight about, he said, listen, if I do a hundred million dollars in business, I got 999, you know, million dollars in expenses. And he said, it's just the numbers just go up. And it's like, I still lay in bed and wonder about the money and wonder about my next move. So it's like, Success doesn't make the entrepreneurial, you know, situation change. And it's really important. And she's that way. She's nervous. And I said, listen, you, this is the point where you're going to make a decision if you want to be an entrepreneur or not. And I came from an entrepreneurial family and Michelle didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. So us as business owners together, I'm always like, well, we got no money. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, and she's like, oh my God, we got no money, you know, but then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. the money comes and I'm like, I told you it'd come. It's like, it's no big deal. You know, it's just like, everything's up and down. And that's what I told Lucy. I said, you got to be prepared to take this journey and get used to being uncomfortable because you're going to have uncomfortable times. You're going to have glorious times and you embrace both of them and I Never think goes away. James, what you said in the beginning, who is your audience and who do you serve? Now that I have that question more in my mind, it's really easy talking to Lucy because she knows who her end customer is. Like it's easy to guide her now because it's like the lady wants her to run a store. Like she's she's working on um, farmland that is it's an incubator program. So the lady's like, you can run the store. And Lucy's smart enough to recognize, no, I want to grow the vegetables and I want to sell them here. And this is how I want to do it. I don't want your store. Whereas Chris and I, in the beginning, were like, okay, let's do this and this and this and this. We took all these ideas because we weren't that super focused. You don't walk out of art school having that skill set at all. Hmm, well, there's two of us too. It's a huge difference when there's yeah. two of you. And so with Lucy, she can be like... She's in this grocery store right now. Oh my God, I love it. Like she knows all the skills. And I'm like, come spring, you're going to want to be outdoors. I know it. And you're going to 
suffer. Like don't pass up this opportunity. So as parents, it's easy now to be like, this is the threat of who you are and you need to honor your inner soul in the highest manner, right? Mm -hmm. Our role is to just kind of guide her and just be like, I think you're going to want to be outdoors. And she's like, you're right. I am. So she like the light bulbs going off in her head, like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. We didn't have that kind of coaching. So for us, it was important meditation or journaling or something. So you could stay on your path and know what's important to you. Like Chris, Chris is an amazing <laughs> glass blower. He's super technical. Yeah. That's not a route I was ever interested in. I was more color pattern and stuff. So we played to each other's strengths. I could develop a new product. He would refine it and teach the staff that, and then we'd sell it. But kind of knowing what your inner core strength is and what feeds your soul is what helps you through the times that are up and down. And having the mentorship and coaching, whether it's in, in Lucy's case, or from, from your parent, from your experienced parent, or somebody outside of your family, if you are not, um, if you are not surrounded by those people, that seems to be, I mean, we know it, it's so yeah. important. It's so important. But in the middle of it, you can't see that you need it. Exactly. So customers are like, yeah, I could coach you on that. And they're like, I don't need that. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask you, so um, entrepreneurship is an up and down journey for sure. Um, sort of staying true to your core and finding out what that is, is, is important. What are some of the practices that you both have now, either individually or together, that help you maintain grounding, help you propel you and sort of navigate the ups and downs as they continue to come at you? So one of the things for me as as the kids got older they're both out of the house now self-sufficient on their own there's this window that opens up right when you're taking a soccer practice and doing all those things you're just like i'm getting through life healthy food on the table making this now there's some openings which has been really cool so for me my daily practice as best i can i write every morning and ask myself those questions and be willing to take the time to listen to the answers mm. yeah so you're tapping into your inner wisdom but it, yeah, love that. What about you, Chris? I'd like to say <laughs> I have something right now, but I don't. I'm uh, kind of like a fish out of water flapping around <laughs> with a lot going on in my brain. And I just very, I've always got multiple projects going on and multiple things going on. And I'm trying to find that grounding uh, thing to help me you know, relax and think about the business. It's really hard for me to sit down at the computer and like do work. It's like, that seems to me like it's the worst thing I could ever do. You know? it's like, oh my God, the computer is sucking my time away. It's like, but it's really an amazing tool. You know, it's no different than a, you know, a glass blowing tool. It's the same thing and you get results. It's just a different result, you know? So I'm always trying to work on that. And I was very lucky to, you know, meet and, Mary, this lady right here, because she definitely, you know, keeps me on the straight and narrow when it comes to that. But I feel like make creating art and I'm an extrovert dealing with clients and talking to clients and creating one of a kind sculptures around a relationship that I have with somebody is what makes me content and makes me focus and makes me you know, satisfied. That's kind of like it, you know, my interaction with my customers. Here's the best advice I have too. There was a woman who made cakes, wedding cakes, stunning, beautiful. 
And she said to me, I hire for my weaknesses. Mm. I hire a front desk person. I hire a bookkeeper, all of those things so yeah. that she can continually make cakes. I would say if I went back in time and did it again, I would recognize that sooner and hire for my weaknesses where I grew up in an era or school was like, you have to be good at all subjects. So I would struggle through things that weren't my strength. And then I just get frustrated. Like right now, looking at a virtual assistant or having an assistant to take care of the computer stuff, to take care of all of those things. Mm -hmm. So you can meet with the client. And sometimes in the beginning, that's hard because it just might be you or you and your spouse. Um, but going forward, I would have had that wisdom sooner. Sooner, sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Just getting there. And that's uh, kind of to put that in a bow here. Um, what Chris was talking about, you know, when he has spoken to these entrepreneurs with, with large incomes, right? And, and still the expenses just keep going up, right? As soon as you start making some money, you look, hey, how do I outsource my weaknesses, right? How do I hire somebody? virtual assistant or front desk or somebody so your expenses do go up as your income goes up and, and as your business grows yeah brilliant yeah so so it doesn't mean that you're gonna get more money in your pocket but it's interesting because there is that book the tipping point which is all about you know where's that sweet spot where your business makes the right amount of money and it's like mm -hmm. going into the pandemic before the pandemic hit for lack of a different word to use uh we had like 20 employees and we were doing x amount in sales every year and after the pandemic uh we ended up being 12 employees and we ended up doing the same amount of business just almost the same amount and we were making more money with almost half the employees and it made us realize, and I think that that really made a lot of people realize that, you know, we were caught up in this entrepreneurial grow your business and what makes your business uh, a successful business. And for us, it was like, oh, more glass blowers, more glass blowers, you know, more this, more that, more people helping us do everything. And it was like, that's not really the right answer. You know, it's like, and that made people kind of step back and look at their businesses and tighten their belts and it was so fun. I was asking yeah. for a sabbatical. I'm like, I need a break because I took this Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses and it was a course. And I was like, I need a break. I got to think about all this stuff. And then that hit and it was like, oh, it's a sabbatical. Yeah. <laughs> so we were able to like, we had to like furlough all our employees and everything. So it was like a minute to have in our studio and be like, huh, look what we built. This is all art. Like to, to really honor and appreciate what we do. If every entrepreneur could have a sabbatical, it'd be amazing a couple of years into the business. So we were able to like lay everything out. We didn't know what was happening. Okay, maybe we don't need that. We could set this aside. This doesn't bring me joy. It was a really nice chance to kind of what feeds my soul. Mm -hmm. It on to shit. Like I want to at least be doing what I want to be doing. What does that look like? And so that's where we cleaned up a bunch of stuff in the end, to Chris's point, to say, our income level didn't drop. Maybe our revenue dropped or varied slightly, but in the end, we had a lot more peace and peace of mind, stability. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So keep growing and keep taking a step back. Your perspective. Yeah. perspective. Yeah. And I think business coaching can help you do that, you know, or talking to other entrepreneurs to help 
keep you sane because like majority of our friends are not entrepreneurs. For sure. Right? So they don't have the same issues yeah. or problems. And there's something very therapeutic of being like, oh my God, that customer sucked. Or, you know, this happened and I didn't know what to do. Or, oh, I signed this contract and I shouldn't. You know, just to kind of have that venting time. Mm-hmm. If they're going to support you, your entrepreneurial friends and coaches will support you through it all. And it's okay to make mistakes because that's how you grow. So it's like, okay, whew. But sometimes you need to get that off your chest. You can't keep it all in. Yeah. So tell us now, when can people go to find how to do this with you guys as their coaches and guides? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, you come to the Glass Academy in Dearborn, Michigan. (laughs) Check us out in person uh, or online at the Gathering Point on YouTube and Facebook. If you go to YouTube and you do at glass blowing, we'll show up. We do a weekly show every Tuesday night for two hours of live glass blowing. So it's it's exactly what you're seeing now, except we're blowing glasses. We're talking. Type in the chat. This is the other thing we talked about. That's so fun. It's like you can put YouTube on your TV and then you could be sending us a text in the show being like, why did that turn blue or why is that glowing orange? And we answer you live. So it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that there, uh, you know, if we appreciate the fact that you guys yeah, had us so on uh, your show, and I think that your show has got a value to so many people out there in the world to make people know that it's okay and what the journey is going to be like to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I kind of think there could be another episode with us because look what you guys are doing and look what we're doing and we're couples and it's like to to navigate through having a husband and wife team and or just partners in a business, but husband and wife's a big one and how you navigate that, you know, and how you have like the difference between your personal life and your business life, because I think you guys probably see it just like we see it. It's like your business becomes your life, you know? It's everything. It's everything. I think there's definitely another episode in the works because I totally agree. I can't wait. It's a whole like energy channel we didn't tap into. So back on. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Thank thank you you for having us. Super fun. Very exciting. We'll be be with you soon. All right. See you soon. Bye.